0: And now, right to your hosts of Down the Garden Path, Joanne Shaw and Matthew Dressing.
1: Welcome to Down the Garden Path, where we discuss down-to-earth tips and advice while doing our best to help you seasonally manage your garden and landscape. Hello there, everyone. I'm Joanne Shaw, owner of Down to Earth Landscape Design, and with me is my co-host and co-author Matthew Dressing. Hello there, Matt.
0: Hello, Joanne, and good evening, everyone. Thank you for joining us. I am Matthew Dressing, owner of Natural Affinity Garden Design. As landscape designers and gardeners, we believe it's important and possible to have great gardens which are sustainable and low maintenance and we want to help you make it happen.
1: That's right, and I am wearing a sweater tonight (laughs) because (laughs) it is finally cooler. Like, even yesterday, people kept saying it's going to be cool, it's going to be cool, but I still found it quite warm. Um, So yay, so it's our, you know, first Monday in September. We are uh, dealing with some cooler temperatures, Uh, gray skies here in uh, the GTA. It never really rained, did it? Did it rain in Oshawa? No. Nope no rain
0: here just kind of threatened it and cooled everything all
1: day yeah yeah it's (laughs) funny all day so um cooler weather brings and fall and people getting back out into their garden um always brings up questions about lawns right matt so everyone what condition is your lawn in this summer right now um what do you want it to be? <laughs> do you use a lawn alternative in your lawn? We would love to hear from you at Down the Garden Path podcast at hotmail.com.
0: That's right. Yeah, we always get lots of lawn questions um mm-hmm. all around now. What can I do? Summer's
1: mm-hmm. over, it's getting cooler, there's rain.
0: I know. Oh, uh, so,
1: yeah. So we'll talk about that I think tonight. That's right. Um, and I was just I was just thinking that, that I was joking with Gary that um you're the lawn specialist, um, but you don't own a lawn. Yeah, <laughs> really, <that's>, right? <laughs> but that's okay. You still know what to do. And, you, and that's, what, we, that's why we need you to tell us what to, what to do.
0: Yes, I don't own a lawn. I have lots of family members I advise. and I get to that's see right. What That's right. You do. can come over and
1: take care of mine at any time. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yes and lots of people always write me and say oh I did what you said and oh, it looks mm-hmm. so great so
1: yes yes oh, he knows I what he's talking it. about people he knows yes. what he's talking about so <laughs> and we often you know this is the time of year I mean throughout the whole show I mean we we there, we do have our lawn lawn lovers or lawn loving gardeners right um but it's been and I want to talk a bit more about that as we go on too as far as lawn alternatives because there is still starting to be um as much as there's lawn lovers, there are some lawn haters, right? And uh when you still th- think but you posted something recently, right? you're that post about what's wrong with the birds and the, and the insects and stuff, what's going wrong? What's what's what are we doing wrong? And you said your lawn. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so yes, we will get to that. But let's start off positive, right? Should we start the show positively? <laughs> yes.
0: Exactly. Exactly. So what state is your lawn in after this crazy summer? We've had uh, you know, it was cooler, a little bit more moist in the beginning. And then we very quickly jumped up to 30 plus degrees with the humid mm-hmm. X. And we recently had a little bit of rain. Uh, but we haven't had any of the weekly more sustaining watering rains uh, until just the other week. Uh, so we were going, I think we had hit like five and a half to six weeks mm-hmm. of drought there. And look at the news, too. Everyone around the world has had weird Uh, rain I think Pakistan is underwater Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. meanwhile China's rivers are all drying up Uh, so it's been a mixed bag for everybody. I know um, the lawns that I have had uh, that I've been looking after this summer uh, they're pretty green a lot of my clients have irrigation systems uh, so we're setting them up to be running once a week uh, or a few of them others have uh, you know, every other day or every three days to a lesser than an inch amount. Uh, but for the most part, they're green and or they are shaded. Uh, so they're still mm. green because, uh, you know, the water and the grass is nice and cool. But how about your lawn?
1: How is your lawn doing? I have to say mine's doing pretty good. I, um, I really just stopped. Like, I know we had that imminent to that intense heat and drought, um, we just stopped watering it or sorry, sorry, stopped cutting it. So it was, Mm. you know, we usually let ours go in the neighborhood where let ours go the longest, Um, but this time we just let it go and it is, it just stops growing. So it went dormant, but it stayed pretty green. So it was, um, and I, and I guess I don't understand, you know, my bless my neighbors and they're good friends, but they, even in the drought, even with the dormant lawn kept cutting the grass. And it was growing so little and they're like skinning it. And it's so, you know, and I'm like, whereas, yes, my grass was longer, um, but it was green. And so, uh, so yeah, so then it really kind of greened up even more when we had those rains a couple of weeks ago. Yeah, And, uh, um, and so then once we got through that, then I kind of said okay now we should cut the grass but you know it, we went we went like probably a month without cutting and it wasn't like it kept I think because I think people are worried it's going to look messy or it's going to get lawn or go to seed you know and get those seed heads and stuff but when it's dormant it really doesn't do that like it just really stayed
0: yeah But it's dorm-
1: and cool you know green
0: Exactly. Yeah. She just kind of stalls out and, and mm-hmm. that's her thing. And when it's longer, she's shading herself a little bit too. So right, uh, she's able to keep that green going mm-hmm. most certainly.
1: Yeah. And I think it also, um, you know, when they kind of really short, I think you definitely see the yellow and I think it takes longer for the yellow to come back even after a rain or like, so the green to come back when it's gone uh, when it's short and yellow. So yeah,
0: yeah. Cause there's nothing really when it's nice short and yellow, there's, there's so little, Uh, Chlorophyll and chloroplasts available to create food. So she's drawing on her own energy. But if there's nothing, you know, there's no water in the soil, or you're not watering it, and it is dry, uh, it does take a little bit for that to ramp up. And again, now you've got a really, really short. You've got the sun and the wind uh, hitting that growing tip, and we all the grasses that we grow here in um, Canada or or the GTA in the northern areas are cool season grasses so they thrive in that temperature of 16 mm-hmm. to 22 so when we get really warm they start yeah. to go to sleep mm-hmm. that's where we see right the middle of summer and yep. we keep our lawn short and we start to go dormant yeah. that's right so
1: i do want to just reassure everyone that like if i think if people prepared and planned to not cut their lawns you know the last two weeks in july the first two weeks of august um, I think you'd really be surprised at how much one money time you save fertilizer yeah. you save, you know, and just the stress of worrying about it. You know, it, it doesn't go to seed. It doesn't get, it doesn't keep growing and it's going to get like, you know, really look like nobody's living there. You know, it's uh, <laughs> it's fine. Um, the only part I do regret is my city trees, which, you know, I know is a whole other show, but um, because they're in my lawn um, and I wasn't watering the lawn, So, uh, so I do want to highlight that we weren't cutting nor were we watering so uh, and it stayed green, Um, but I think the city trees did suffer so um, when I came back from holidays uh, last week that you know definitely a lot of early leaf drop and and things like that which we talked about uh, on last week's show so that is the one thing I will, um, I should have been doing the tree bags for the trees, Um, but yeah so I don't want to you know talk to people and just have everybody because. That is the downside of lawns: is how many, how much resources we give to it without much benefit back. Right? No insect need, like it doesn't feed anybody. It doesn't, right. you know. Um, there's no insects that need grass. There's no shelter that's available. Right. Or- Yeah. And like you said,
0: feeding pollen, nectar resources, Mm -hmm. there's nothing that we can eat from it as as Mm -hmm. people ourselves. Um, So, you know, as we get into areas or times when, you know, food is short uh, or, you know, there's the shipping crisis with all that's been going on, we could be using that space in other ways to, Mm to support all those insects, much like that post I said, you know, Ever wonder where the birds and butterflies are? And then there's a big picture of just a perfectly mowed lawn. and There's just nothing there for them. Mm -hmm. So, and that's where we see things like Japanese beetles and June beetles and things uh, are becoming more uh, prevalent in spaces because they have access to that lawn and there are no predators and they eat the other things that the other bugs aren't going to eat. They're going to eat the foliage themselves. So, yeah. So, the lawn and that's where we're going to go into our lawn alternatives is we can still have that big beautiful green space we can have it green all year with our maintenance of our lawn itself if you're a a lawn purist we've got some tips for you if you're looking for some alternatives maybe you go away or maybe you do want to support a little bit more biodiversity that's where some of our lawn uh, alternatives are going to come into play Uh, reduce the resources that that space needs but also still give you some beauty and and some biodiversity back as
1: well Mm-hmm. And I think the trend is going that way. I mean, we, uh, me as uh, like my, I installed my, installed, I, I sprinkled my first, uh, clover lawn this year, a few weeks ago. And, um, there's definitely, uh, um, several of my designs in, um, uh, in the last month, six weeks have been, um, zero lawn backyards. So if they what yeah. the one has an area of clover, but the rest of it was mulch and stepping stones and, you know, a little, two little patios, um, the other two, I mean, and we just finished one on Friday where, you know, it's this really, so it was a, it was actually a townhouse and she had an existing patio and like horseshoe shaped garden and the mid in the middle, she had grass that she just hated and couldn't maintain. Um, so we made that, you know, another patio with some stepping stones and, and uh, pea gravel. And now she's got like an you know, another outdoor room, and no grass to take care of. And so not only are we getting the trend of something other than lawn, like clover, micro clover, I want to talk about those options. But also, I think people are looking at their lawns on okay, how can especially with the smaller homes and not great access for lawn mowing, yeah. um, storage, you know, not not everybody has like room in the garage for lawnmower or room in the sh- like or sh- room for a shed. So I think those are some other lifestyle issues that you know lawns are becoming a lot more work than they're really worth so people are looking to designers like design professionals uh, for solutions other than a lawn
0: agreed agreed mm-hmm. i'm seeing the same thing in yeah. a lot of my designs and consultations as well is people are looking for alternatives and better how to make more and get more out of their limited space mm-hmm. uh, because they're at home yeah. yeah yeah so before we dive into our lawn a uh, discussion on maintaining your lawn in the coming months, as well as some lawn alternatives. I do see we have some questions um, that have come in. We do. Bob wrote fairly quickly off the top. Hi, Joanne and Matt. Uh, Joanne, that is so funny about Matt's quote lawn. <laughs> uh does matt talk to uh, lawn maintenance folks who take care of his lawn where he lives (laughs) that's funny And yeah my neighbor actually does really (laughs) yeah he he looks after he has all that sort of stuff and so i look over uh my balcony and i can see oh yeah there's the creeping charlie a little bit more dandelion this year and i get to watch him and we chat and everything so it is it's pretty funny funny, bob (laughs) Next, we have Ken, who's written in, hi, Matt and Joe. Oh. Should we sharpen our mower blades every year? Yeah, yeah Ken, excellent. that is an mm-hmm. excellent question. And yes, you should. Um, whether you want to do it at the very beginning, I know of some people who choose to have it sharpened uh, and their lawnmower service right before, um, you know, they put it away for the year, it's sharp. Uh, they oil the blade um, and make sure that it's all ready and, is, and asleep. If you start going through the year and if you ever noticed where you mow your lawn and suddenly there, like there's enough watering things are good maybe it's even spring but there's like this brown haze over the top and it just kind of looks like it's on the tips that's the sign of an unsharpened mower blade so your blade is no longer literally just cutting just right through like a knife through butter it's actually starting to rip the tips of the blades off. So what you're getting is a rip through the grass, and that brown haze is that jagged, unhealing uh, tip of the grass. So you, if you cut and you start to see that you get this little bit of haze, where you start to see that you know, even if you just look at one or two spots, you know, you can see where the rips are occurring versus a nice, clean cut. That's your time to go and and give a good uh, blade sharpen. You could also buy a second blade. Uh, As well, keep one sharpened and keep one unsharpened and keep rotating them out. My number one tip, though, for anyone who is using a mower, um, if you ever, ever, ever need to flip the deck, if you've got like a 20-inch standard, you know, walk-behind mower uh, or gas-powered anything, if you ever need to look at those blades and those decks, make sure you pull your spark plug out of your mower first because you can cause it to... uh, short or jolt and i have seen those blades make a half turn when someone flips it over and they just jostle it enough or there's just enough charge left in there and and i don't want you to see it lose you lose anything from you <laughs> lose any fingers or or cut your hand or anything like that so safety tip always unplug that uh spark <laughs> plug from your gas
1: powered mower Excellent. Excellent. I'm also curious how many people have switched to uh, the new electric mowers yes. that, or the battery, battery, battery mowers. We we've kind of gone slowly. We're transitioning to all the Ry- Ryobi um devices. So, uh, so yeah, so we can yeah, Add that on to the end of the show or anybody who's comments about those. Uh, we really ah. like them. Yeah, we don't like it when the last person to mow forgets to plug it back in. But you know, <laughs> <laughs> yes you don't have two batteries on the yeah yeah on the no, but we, we do yeah. <laughs> yeah um and carl has um oh carl has written in good question um yes i we did have what we both were talking about that before the show we had a nice weekend holiday thank you what about those fake lawns that you see advertised i'm not sure if they are astroturf or something else like that do you know much about them I'm retired and that option seems like a really good one so that I do not need to cut the lawn or water it. Thank you very much. Um, So we have done a show, right? We did do a show um, with Durham. Artificial turf. Thank you. Durham artificial turf. All about artificial turf, uh, Carl. Um, Lots of different opinions there.
0: Yeah, but it is something definitely that you can end up doing. Um, Some people love it. Um, I think on the show I mentioned, when I was in downtown Vancouver, a lot of the condo buildings uh, just they've replaced all that lawn with artificial turf uh, that they just go out and power wash, and uh, it looks great, and they leave it. So, mm-hmm. yeah,
1: definitely. Yeah, I think the one thing to, to keep in mind, Carl, is um, it's, it's cost prohibitive. Like, it's not, um, it's the same price as uh, putting in a patio, really. Mm, um, yeah. So, that's something to, to think about that you could do, you know, make a, a larger patio and a larger garden area. And then not need um, need uh, the grass. So the the work of doing it, the materials to do it properly. So it's not, you know, astroturf that you know you buy at Home Depot. It is, you know, there's a lot of important steps there as far as drainage. You know, excavating, adding different levels of granular um, stone, and leveling it. And then there's lots of hardware that kind of secures it to the perimeter mm. of the yard. So it's it's you know, it's, 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 it's a process. And, and with it comes a price tag. Um, So yeah, so definitely. Um, And I can see both sides of, you know, some people say it's super not environmentally friendly, because it gets hot, and it doesn't, what do you do with it, you know, in 20 or 30 years, Um, Durham, uh, artificial turf said, you know, a lot of it is um, recycled and reused for, you know, whether it's dog shelters, like anything that's, you know, uh, disposed of, it isn't, well, most of it, we hope, I'm sure some of it sneaks into the the landmine, landmines, landfill, but they really do try to um, reuse it um, or recycle it. So, um, so yeah, so that whole, is it better, you know, a better resource than all the work and money and fertilizer and water that we put on, like, it's yeah. tough, right? It's a tough, it's a tough call because regular grass is, does require so much work. So, and resources, the water, the fertilizer,
0: Exactly. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So it's kind of, yeah, it's looking at, you know, which way,
1: which resources are you going to use? That's right. Um, So we'll put, we'll put um, our show, why don't we put the link to the, I was going to (laughs) say, yes, to that previous show in the show notes, Carl. So you can go back and listen to that episode all dedicated to artificial turf. So thank you. Thank you for that question. Dan has also written in Hi, I
0: actually have not cut my lawn for over four weeks here in the GTA. And it looks great. Mm-hmm. What does lime do for the lawn? Thank you. Excellent, yeah. So Dan, your lawn is looking good and you're enjoying that green. Um, what lime does is it raises the pH. Uh, So it's going to bring up the pH and the availability of certain nutrients in the lawn. Grasses tend to enjoy, especially our lawn species, enjoy more of a neutral pH. So close to that 7, where most of the other plants will enjoy anywhere from a 5.8 to a 6.2. That pH just basically uh, allows the the water to dissolve certain elements into the soil solution for the grass. So they just like it at a little bit of a higher pH. So if you see that you have wet areas, and maybe moss is growing, or you've had some pine needles or some evergreens removed, and you've got lawn in that kind of area now, that's where you might have a pH issue, where it grows, but it doesn't grow as vigorously or as sparsely, uh, despite, you know, watering and the full sun Mm -hmm. and everything else
1: being needed. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's what our uh, line does. That's right. That's right. Uh, Justin has written in as well. Another really great timely question, Justin. Thank you. Is this the right time to put down nematodes? Yes, it is. Right, Matt?
0: That's right. And I was just thinking, as we're going to say, there are artificial turf in the show notes. We'll also link uh, to um, uh, John Robertson from Natural Insect Control uh, and his uh show all about applying nematodes and the myths around them Mm -hmm. Uh, but yeah right now is the time so we can apply our nematodes today would be a great day it's cool it's cloudy here in the GTA Uh, doing it later in the evening and then just follow the instructions because everybody has a slightly different uh, package and the way they are they're grown some are in vivo some are in vitro uh, so just kind of follow those instructions and and put them down and uh, keep them evenly moist you don't want to flood the lawn but just keeping that upper uh, one inch to two inches evenly moist watering just the lawn to make sure that at night with this and it's the only time I like to say you can water uh, at mm-hmm. night is when 19. you're watering the lawn <laughs> make yeah. sure that you're not watering everything
1: <laughs> else around you so you, yeah molds or funguses and things like that start to take over Mm -hmm. and if you do share your lawn with your neighbor you know the neighbors that kind of both share a lawn you you really do need to do their lawn too you Mm. know it's it's really one of those things they they swim and they move um so it's kind of a waste if you don't do the neighboring lawn um that's something to think about and uh and yeah, and so we've had that John show, but you and I have done it, several shows on Neva Toads as well, so you can definitely look for those in past shows. Mm. Um, and the period of time, so you kind of have another month, right? I would say now, starting now to the beginning of October. Um, yeah,
0: usually about yeah. beginning to mid-October, Thanksgiving, kind of, mm. depending on how warm the soil is and what the temperature outside is, that's yeah. usually kind of when things cool off and they start
1: both the grubs as well as the nematodes start to swim further down. So, Mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah. Um, And our good friend Roy has written in with a good question for you. He's saying uh, that he has heard you use the term biodiversity. And he says, I've heard that term before, but what does it actually mean? Thank you. And you're right, Roy, I'm thinking, yeah, I've heard that too. I'm not really sure. (laughs) So (laughs) let's see what Matt says. (laughs) So biodiversity is... The
0: act of having lots of different species, whether they're plants, insects, birds, uh, funguses, all sorts of things in one space. So if we think about the lawn, we look at our our typical lawn, what is there? We're going to have the grass, which might have two or three species of lawn in it. We'll have some insects that are in the soil, um, like white grubs. Uh, ants might be there, there might be again, some microorganisms that are there, uh, and maybe one or two diseases, depending on what your lawn is. So there's only a handful of things there. Um, so if, if something goes wrong, it's very easy to get one or two of these things, and knock them out of the system and damage the lawn or make that area dead, there are no checks or balances. So for example, another good example would be example, uh, straight trees, right? When we see the street is Mm -hmm. lined with one row of trees. Mm -hmm. There's no biodiversity there. The tree is just a monoculture of, say, Mm -hmm. Norway maples. So if something comes in and kills the Norway maples or damages... Ash trees. Like the ash trees. That was exactly... Yes, thank you. Yeah, The ash trees. We had the emerald ash borer come in and wipe them all out. So now Mm -hmm. we're losing major street trees that are providing shade, cooling houses, saving Mm -hmm. us money, um, making life enjoyable. And now they're all gone. So... If we had ash trees mixed in with other native maples or oaks and other trees, we might have lost one or two, but overall the ecosystem of a cooler area, moisture being retained in the soil, protected by the trees, a cooler environment around the streets for the people, that would not have been as affected. It would have taken a hit, but it wouldn't have been as affected. So biodiversity basically allows us to have all of these interlocking uh, systems of insects um insects and plants and microorganisms to basically keep everybody healthy and keep everything in check there's always a predator and there's always some prey mm-hmm. um mm-hmm. right that's, yeah. And that's the biodiversity that we we want to create
1: yeah and if you want to do a deep dive on that topic roy um doug talamy um mm, yes. what's the name of the book nature of things Na- is it I want to say that's it, but I might be yeah. thinking of—isn't uh, that David Suzuki show? Yeah, no, yes, that's true too. <laughs> oh my gosh! Okay, we'll come back to you, right? But it is fascinating, his because we're you know, it's not just about the insects, and it, it, you know there is there are things that when that insect disappears, there's a bird that eats that insect or that caterpillar. And then when there's no longer that caterpillar, then we lose those birds. And then there's another bird or something that eats those birds. And that, you know what I mean? Like the whole, we always joke about circle of life and lion King and all that stuff. Right. Um, But it's true. And that's what it is. Yeah. And so that's, it's at these mini school little levels and, um, you know, I always kind of talk about I've mentioned it before in the show that I can remember, you know, as a little kid going at uh, driving home at night with to my grandparents house in Niagara region and like the my dad like having to put the wipers on for all the bugs and and all those bugs in the windshield that, at night. And I don't remember doing that for my kids at all for bugs, <laughs> you know, like yeah. where did those bugs go, <laughs> you know, kind of thing. So it just shows you in in my lifespan. You had that loss of biodiversity. Yeah. Yeah.
0: And we were spraying and ripping up fields. Mm-hmm. We wanted to mow lawns and we had bigger lawns and we lost that those things. I think we've seen, I think you posted as well, um, and I've seen some other social media about wasps. We hate wasps, but, um, and hornets as they come and bug us, especially in the fall. But, Um, you know, they are actually great predators of other insects, uh, aphids and small caterpillars and all sorts of things. They help. uh, They are one of our checks and balances for us. So Mm -hmm. when we start to lose things. uh, We lose that
1: underlying support that keeps us all going and Mm -hmm. happy and healthy. That's right. And so to keep going with your question, Um, it is um, uh, Doug Tallamy, uh, New York Times bestseller, Nature's Best Hope a new approach to conser- conservation that starts in your yard. So uh really good book. I heard him speak. He spoke at Landscape. Remember, we heard him speak several, um, our pre-COVID Landscape, on- landscape Designer <laughs> Conference. Uh, he was there. And I remember just sitting there with my mouth open, like, oh yeah. my gosh, I never thought of it. And we were, and if we, the industry of horticulture were shocked by the things that he says, then I, you know, it had something, you know, it was really unbelievable right yes it really is yeah uh,
0: yeah it really is it's, <laughs> yeah. uh, it's unbelievable so yeah definitely take take a look at that book because yeah you like you said the designers are just like wow what oh i know i had no idea and that's how my plant selection impacts everything and and how it all mm-hmm. moves out and i think we were talking with uh, mary phillips and the monarchs and native plants and that all kind of ties into that big food worldwide wide web type Mm -hmm. of thing so
1: that's right that's right so
0: just as we hit the bottom of the hour tina has written in christmas hey down the garden path christmas is coming and garden books seem to be the hot ticket this year yes they did too (laughs) so thank you tina and don't forget to check out our book down the garden path a step-by-step guide to your ontario garden which is more just your garden. uh, Because it's got seasonal timely tips uh, throughout every month and what you could be doing to make it as low maintenance and easy as possible. And as we talk about biodiversity, um, I'm going to do our little 10 minute or 10 second Mm -hmm. thing. And then we'll talk about some of our lawn alternatives. So if you do have a weaker lawn or a lawn that you don't really want to maintain as much, we'll throw in some of those things that you can plant with your lawn to up that biodiversity and create some interest. But I just wanna say thank you everybody for joining us here live on Reality Radio 101. Thank you as well if you're listening to the podcast, if you've downloaded it, maybe you're on the, work, on the way to work or gardening yourself right now. I'm Matthew Dressing, here with my co-host and, uh, and co-author, Joanne Shaw, and you're listening to Down the Garden Path. Joanne and I enjoy hosting Down the Garden Path each week, bringing you interesting and relevant topics to help you achieve a great garden. We learn right along with you from our research and from the guests that join us here on the show. And as I talk about guests being join us here on the show, for those who, of you who tuned in last week... Uh, For Bob Osborne and growing hardy apples in cold climate, he will be joining us next week, September 12th, Monday Mm -hmm. at 7 p.m. here live on Reality Radio 101 to talk all about hardy apples and growing them in colder northern climates. So don't forget you can spend more time with us down the garden path. Follow us on Instagram and Facebook at down the garden path podcast is our handle there. You can also find us on your favorite podcast provider. And while you're there, please hit that subscribe button to be notified of new content. And please don't forget to like, share, and leave us a comment. We love hearing from all of our wonderful listeners. You can always write us directly at any time of uh, day or week at Down the Garden Path Podcast at hotmail.com. Don't forget, you can find Joanne online at www.down2earth.ca, and you can find myself at www.naturalaffinity.ca. So, we talked about lawns and biodiversities and how it doesn't really support the bees, the butterflies, those other <coughs> beneficial mm-hmm. insects, because remember, 90% of all insects eat other insects. Um, although we're bothered by them and whatever, but, um, or may or may not be, uh, but so there is some things that we can do to fortify our lawn, lower the maintenance in our lawn, those resources that we've mentioned, the fertilizers, the water that go into maintaining that green lawn, um, by adding some of our lawn solutions, uh, or other, uh, plants into the mix. Joanne, you had mentioned, um, you know, there's the white clover. I think mm-hmm. that's probably one of the most popular ones out there. It's just a straight white clover or a micro clover, mm-hmm. and the idea is that it's a perennial clover that is low-growing that slowly will creep in and amongst your grass. Uh, and add some nice biodiversity. It stays green. It doesn't go dormant like your lawn does in the summer. So it's not necessarily cool season. And then you also get the benefit of that biodiversity support in the spring when they throw up nice, and I mean, I'm sure we've all seen them, those nice little white globular flower heads that are one of the first things that are out there Uh, in this beginning of the season to feed those waking native bees, the bumblebees, the masons, the leaf cutters, uh, and things like that, that are coming out and looking for some food to wake up. Um, So the other benefit of micro clover and clover is that it does also fix uh, atmospheric nitrogen in its nodes along the root. So it's also going to add that nitrogen into the soil structure around your grass and if you look at all of our grass fertilizers that first number is always mm. the highest it's like 32 0 mm-hmm. 18 but that's that nitrogen that's that green that it's going to get so it's going to be able to capture some of that nitrogen and reduce the food that you actually need to give to it
1: that's right that's right Um, yeah, I mean, I, like I mentioned, I did it for a client, um, just a few weeks ago. We spray, we spread it and spread it. We, yeah. Yeah, sprinkled. <laughs> <applied it, sprinkles. laughs> reply whatever the word is um gotta love my gotta love improv on the show but anyway um clover in a small area you know she puts we put stepping stones down to her shed and she's going she's got an area where uh there's going to be future vegetable boxes um and then the rest instead of doing grass we thought of doing clover she also has a pet rabbit matt mm. so she's excited about that um yeah. so it's been interesting it took um, the, and I've had different people say it's expensive. It's not expensive. Like this was a little bag. It was mm. a very small bag of clover, not micro clover. I could only find the white clover. Um, and, uh, so this was mid August during that drought and right. it said it would cover 500 square meters, which is a lot. And we yeah. certainly did not have that much of space, but I put it on nice and thick. And um and you know, she kept it watered and it took a while a lot longer than I thought. I don't know if it was just too hot for it, maybe. Um, but it I was back this past week and took a look. And so it is coming in pretty well. Um, there's the second batch because some spots are a little spotty. The weeds are coming through the soil too. So I think that's the challenge of the grass versus or the clover versus the weeds and and I think the clover, I think it. regardless, it's going to be green, right? And she doesn't mm. need to mow it. So I think that's good. So I said to her, I said, you know, there were some bindweed. So I kind of showed her what bindweed was. It was much more of an identifiable weed, you know, to, to get that rid of that. Um, so I'm excited. She's excited that we're trying something different. And uh, I definitely see the benefit in, in her situation. Um, not having to mow it and having something that um, is just going to be uh, and she really wanted the garden that the rest of the yard was created was more, you know, much, lots of pollinator plants and, and food for the birds as well. So a viburnum with, you know, nanny berry with, for be, uh, berries, uh, birds, butterflies, <laughs> berries. Anyway, so it just feel like clover fits right in that. Um, so yes. And then I've been doing some reading about micro clover. Um, And and another reading with her clover that um, there's some annual grasses that you can mix annual um, lawn with the, the, the clover seeds and then the annuals don't come back, but it helps to get the clover established so that looked interesting, but finding that annual grass seed in the middle of August was not an easy task. Um and and did you end up finding the annual grass No. Oh, so we just oh, okay. put the clo- we just put straight clover down. But I happened to be um so one way I was on holidays we mentioned I was on holidays for that week uh in Huntsville uh and of course I'm going to visit some garden centers. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and So I got in a lovely chat with someone at uh, one of the garden centers and cottage country you know th- there's a lot of naysayers that say oh well, clover's not going to work and it's a pain and blah blah blah. blah. Um cottage country has been using it for a long time. She's like, they've been using, we've been using it here 20 years on our septic systems that our and our lawns because, you know, so she says it works fine. And it's, it, people walk on it, you know, can drive on it to a certain extent. Mm. Um, it does fine in the, their harsher winters. I was like, you're kidding. And she's like, yes. Yeah. And she said, well, we start and they also stock like here, we're like scrambling to kind of find, you know, find a um, more than one option, right? Like, it's not like you can compare with grass seed, you, you know, there's a whole two shelves, right? Of a yeah. uh, garden center of like what you're comparing grass seed when all if you read the ingredients, it's all Kentucky bluegrass, like the mix is all the same, right? It's the packaging that changes. Yeah. And so she was saying, so I said to my husband, I said, we should go in because some of it was bulk, like, you know, you could scoop it bulk. And I, I said, we should actually go and buy some like that's bulk that we can use, you know, or we can try out or I can try it with clients next year. Right. And just so we didn't get we didn't do that. But, you know, that was good to know. And so any of our listeners who may be in cottage country or who have used clover uh, over their septic system, I'd love to hear from you. You know, I, I, we both would right? to hear how it's going. And I really think it's it, this trend is going to catch on because I think with the smaller yards and the busier people, Um, and, and, uh, people are realizing that the, the lawn, they still want something green, which we've had our listeners tell us, you know, you still want it to look green and pretty, but, um, they could, maybe it doesn't have to be turf, right? Yeah, exactly. Exactly.
0: And even if you do kind of like that, that look of the turf, one of the other lawn alternatives that people are, are turning towards too, and to mix with that, um, um, Oh my gosh! White clover uh, is is the fescue grasses. Oh, okay, um, yeah, because they don't create um, thatch layers like the Kentucky blues and the perennial rye and things like that. Um, so they're not as attractive to the European chafer beetle uh, and other other insects mm-hmm. there. Um, so, yeah, you can get kind of that nice mix there. And then the fescue, again, much like the clover, will stand up to, you know, that drought. Um, it can do that traffic. It's a little bit more cold resistant uh, and drought resistant. Um, yeah, so it's a good good one to mix in there
1: as well. Mm-hmm. No flower, no yeah. but... Yeah, that's right. And I do want to shout out to um, West Coast Seeds, who we've been trying to get onto the show. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. So they definitely sell a mix. And actually, if you look at their uh, reviews, several people put in like time lapse videos or pictures of their progress. So so nothing's better than that, right? Just seeing what yeah. people have put and how they've done it and how it's turned out. Um, so yeah, so I, I have anybody who's interested in, and maybe Carl, that's you, maybe your option instead of a lawn, instead of artificial turf is to do something like clover that you might only have to mow twice a year or twice a season. So, um, take a look at West coast seeds who are Canadian based on the West coast. That's right. And they do have a lawn
0: solution section as well, uh, on their website. So you can see some of the micro clovers. Um, And some fescues and some other blends that they have engineered that includes things like yarrow's and and other stuff as well, uh, Mm -hmm. that you can that you can uh, apply and and purchase that way as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think
1: I think also the thought that it it doesn't we wouldn't get. um, Oh, my gosh beetles, Japanese beetles and the European, uh, you know what I mean? Like that's a whole other incentive, like let alone, never mind the water, the time, the fertilizer and the cutting. Now you're, you're, you've got a lawn that's not attracting uh, insect, like that kind of insect, that kind of predator. So, um, or nuisance. So yeah, it's another thing to think about for sure. And there's like many, man, I think, I think we should do a, a show where we do a deeper dive, but there's many ways that you can do it. You know, you can sprinkle the seed right on your existing lawn and have that take over. Um, you know, there's lots of ways. The one thing the lady from the in, in Cottage Country said was, um, you have to be like, there's no turning back. Like once you've done it, once you've turned it your your lawn into clover, the clover's there. Like you're not gonna, oh no, I changed my mind. You know, let's put some grass seed next year. No, you're not gonna get rid of the clover. So she said, you no. know, it is a commitment. Um, so that's something to note because I don't want anybody to test something out and then change them and decide I don't like it. <laughs> Wait a blame, minute. <laughs> blame me. So, Redo the whole lawn. <laughs> that's right. So for those that are growing a regular lawn, Matt, this time of year, September, cooler temperatures, what should, uh, you know, just a briefly, what should people be doing now?
0: Yeah. Um, so uh, I think it was Justin who wrote in earlier, now is the time for doing nematodes. So take a look at your local independent garden centers, or again, uh, if you're in the the Canadian region, Natural Insect Control can send them, you can buy them directly. Uh, But now is the time to water them into your lawn, keep them moist. If you have your white grub issues, uh, you can get rid of those guys now. It's better to do it now when they're young versus next spring. When they're old, you need to put down even more uh, in the spring than you do in the fall. But now is also a great time as the lawn rejuvenates, or perhaps uh, you've got a good lawn already, uh, is the good time to start aerating and dethatching. So the lawn is growing vigorously. Again, in our area, we've got lots of cooler season lawns, so they may need some time. To warm up again and, and green up again, but once they're nice and active, we want to dethatch every about year, year and a half. uh Take out all that nice dead layer that the Kentucky blues, the perennial mm-hmm. rye grasses, things like that do. Uh, and and that is that just
1: raking, Matt? Is that just it? Giving can you be, a good
0: rake. Yeah, good question. No, that can be just a good hard rake. So, have you ever like had a, just a leaf rake and you pull really hard? And you make one good pass, and it's so hard that little dead brown bits of grass pop up mm-hmm. in your wake of your rake. Um, that's your thatch layer being flicked out <laughs> from below.
1: And my shoulder pops out, but you know, yes. <laughs> yeah.
0: But there's also dethatching equipment that you can purchase as well. Um, that you can basically—it's a motorized equipment with little blades that spin like a mower, uh, and it beautifully pulls up a carpet of, of thatch to be removed. Okay. Aerating as well. So if you've got a compacted or heavy traffic lawn, perhaps, um, you know, you have young kids uh, or it's on the corner lot type thing, that's where it would be great to do some dethatching as well. So basically, or aerating, sorry. And that's where you basically puncture holes into the soil surface to allow water and air to re-enter the root zone. We typically will see there's a little stand-on one with like 10 or 12 holes and it's basically a large square bar and you walk around with it and pull it out. Um, There's lawn aerating shoes with little nails that you can put onto your shoes and walk around when you mow your lawn just to give those holes uh, to go into that soil surface. And typically we see what like the city does where we have again, like that aerating machine gas powered and it rips out little plugs and leaves them on the grass surface for Air and water, and all that kind of mm-hmm. stuff to get into as well. So, now is the best time to do it. You can do it in the spring, but you don't want to do it when the grass is asleep. So, you're going to wait till May. You've got two to three inches of lush green lawn, and that's when you're going to do it around that May 2 4 weekend uh, or whenever your grass warm greens up like that, which might be mm-hmm. earlier or, uh, if you're in the southern states or a warmer climate. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Lastly, watering. As we start to get in, well, not lastly, we have fertilizing to do too, but uh, (laughs) as we get cooler times and cooler days, um, we are going to see a little bit more rain, which will wake up our dormant grass, get that yellow, becoming green again. It might take one or two weeks, and if you really want that lawn to really rebound, you do want to go out there maybe once uh, or twice, or one every, once or Oh my gosh, one every day or every other day. And make sure that you're putting down an inch or so of water. Other than that, just keeping your lawn watered to one inch deep once a week will keep it nice and moist. Um, The trick with our cool season grasses or those lawns, if you have a lawn that goes dormant, making sure that it gets that one inch and you get that nice long blade uh, to keep that nice growing tip nice and cool and protected from the sun as far as fertilizing this is probably one of the bigger changes the numbers on the bag is going to are going to change so we're going to go from a high nitrogen now into a higher potassium so the first number is going to lower and the last number is going to grow or rise so now we're often going to see something like a 10 0 20 um, or if you're going organic we're going to see a 4 3 7 so we're going to see the to change in those numbers. And what that means is that those potassiums and the phosphorus, those last two numbers, as they rise, they are going to build the resistances and the roots for our grass plants. So we know we've got a cold period coming up where we're going to get snow and ice and things compacting on the grass uh, or the more water in the lawn. And we're going to still walk on the lawn and compress and hurt the soil. We are going to bolster their resistances. So we're getting ready for them to sleep. So there's two times you're going to fertilize one right now around the Labor Day weekend for the first hit of our fall. And then again, our winter fertilizer, mm. which more people probably do in the south versus up here in the GTA uh, or northern regions, but closer to the end of October, beginning of November, just kind of a few or a couple of weeks before that last frost date to get that in. And that's the feed that's going to take us through the winter and be when you, I'm sure a lot of our lawn enthusiasts have heard, don't go on your lawn uh, in the early spring when it's moist. So we've already given its food now for them to wake up with. Whew. What do
1: you think I missed
0: <laughs> in that quick
1: recap? Oh, uh, <laughs> I know. I know. Organic. Um, you, yes. Organic. Orga- organic organic fertilizers. fertilizers. Like the benefit and are they becoming, like are the big box stores carrying them? I have not
0: seen many see at either. all, especially yeah. the typical bag granular. I've seen yeah. the odd like little bottle of like house plant or yeah. plant for, but it's still dominated by the synthetics like Scott's and right. CIL and whoever mm-hmm. and Schultz.
1: Yeah. So I think, and I don't know if that's the case, maybe um, not in more of the um, like uh, northern like country stores, right? Where they have yeah. uh, the TSCs. Thank you, um, but uh, definitely you might have to go to a garden center to find the uh, organic fertilizers um, as well. So I think that's something to, you know, if we're going to use fertilizers and moving moving in that direction, I think is um, is a better choice. Um, although, uh, you know, they tend to be slower released and um, better overall for our water tables and and uh, the runoff that's in, in invariably going to happen, right? Yeah, exactly. Well, when it's like with those high phosphorus
0: fertilizers and you get that, all that phosphorus and those nitrogens and the other chemicals leaching into the water and you get that big algal bloom in the lake nearby and that's your runoff and all those fertilizers affecting things. So yeah, again, and going back to biodiversity, when we use an organic fertilizer, we're providing the components, the fertilizer as food for the microorganisms in the soil. So the soil needs to moisten the fertilizer prill or pellet, and then the soil itself starts to eat it and break it down. And it releases humic substances, which helps the soil structure and the different plates and pieces of the soil and organic matter stick and fluff up a bit. But then it also gives a more sustained, longer release to the plant itself. I often equate it to us going to McDonald's, Or staying at home and having like a nice chicken Caesar salad or something. Mm -hmm. Um, Right? The salad and the chicken is
1: longer feeding. We've had Arbor say that too, right? That Big Mac versus, you know, versus, uh, you know, home-cooked meal. Yes,
0: exactly. Exactly. Yeah. You have a chocolate bar or some fruit. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> so those are our lawn fertilizers. So Karen also wrote in Joanne, and that please remind your listeners that even though it is cooler climate out, your lawn still needs water. Maybe not as much, but it does need water. And very excellent um, mm-hmm. point, Karen. Yes, about your lawn, but also about your garden. In cooler temperatures, um, it doesn't heat up. the The plants are cooler; they don't need to use as much water unless it's very windy. They will pull up lots of extra water, but the water evaporates and is utilized much slower by your lawn, but also by your other surrounding um, trees and shrubs and things. So as it cools, um, you know, the sun and the heat might not be doing it, but it slowly turns into the wind doing it. So just make sure that you are keeping an eye on your perennials and your lawn indeed. And we often say the same thing with our evergreens, newly planted Mm. evergreens. They always have their foliage out. If we don't water them, going into the cooler months, they will dry out in the wind and they will go to sleep dry. And that's where we see that wind burn. And the same thing can happen uh, when our lawn and our other perennials just slowly dry out. They might be going dormant, the tree loses all of its leaves, but those roots are still active and still need to draw on water for their biological processes. Water is the key um, to everything. That's where we transport food and nutrients and enzymes and hormones and all that sort of stuff. So yeah, you can imagine when we're dehydrated, what happens to them?
1: Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> definitely, definitely. So uh so yeah, so I think still watering and um yeah, it's a good point. Um, a good yeah. point that uh there's lots going on in yeah. you know, and okay. and start thinking about I mean now is a time too that if you do have a smaller backyard or even a smaller front yard, if you It might just you you might not be ready to go to Clover now or you might not be ready to go to uh, Stepping Stones and and uh, Pea Gravel or something like that. But um, you can plan for it. Like if you can identify areas that are easy to um, to do, you know, uh, maybe that don't like it's hard to change when your lawn is connected to your neighbor's lawn, that type of thing. I totally get it. But I think now is a good time to really take a deep look at your yard and where can you um, maybe use an alternative and maybe try something, something out. And that could be the crappy lawn between yours and your neighbor's driveway. You know, maybe mm-hmm. that's easy to take out and to put, um, to put Clover down, you know, there there's, so I think if everybody, like, that's the thing, you know, everybody's wanting one big thing that's going to fix it all, but I think it's going to be the micro decisions we make and the little changes we all, the little shifts that what we all make. Um, I think will will eventually go a long way and hopefully saving our our planet and, and climate change so yeah, there was somebody who said um what was it um let's look at um I don't know, who has who has the most rain in in Bangalore and it was like all of bangalore <laughs> like you know it's it's a shame and even Pakistan, there's you know the the amount of um that they create the greenhouse grasses that that country creates is very minimal they're on like seven percent or whatever. But yet they're in the forefront, like where they are positioned in the world is they're getting the brunt, um, you know, with the water slides and the mud and and the the monsoon rains and stuff like that. So Mm -hmm. I know it's challenging because we feel so insulated, I think, from it sometimes. um, Yeah,
0: it's so far away. It's easy just to focus on the little things and the daily things that we need Mm -hmm. to do. But again, we are also part of that biodiversity. Our actions affect everything else and we're one mm-hmm. of those keys and yeah i like what you were saying just about you know those spots to try right the between the two driveways mm-hmm. or if you have corners or sharp corners on your lawn uh, or a corner that's always cut or somewhere you, you just can't really grow anything try again some of those you know the fescues or the clovers and things like that where they can tolerate some of those tougher uh conditions and a little mm-hmm. bit more shade as yeah. far as the fescue goes in groups of all those other grasses
1: Yeah. And even gardens, you know, if there's an area in your yard where grass isn't growing and you've got a big deck and a small yard and a small garden, you know, going with a bigger. I know people tend to sometimes think garden is high as a high maintenance uh, solution or alternative, and it's not necessarily, you know, if you've got the right plants in the right spot, uh, maybe, you know, a bit of investment for, you know, doing it, working with a designer like you and I. And coming up with a plan and we can choose things like shrubs and and that have got lots of biodiversity right <laughs> you know um and and get a good size appropriate for the space and then it's well mulched um it can you know you know it can get tough maybe you have to water it a little bit more the first year but it it can be way less maintenance than a lawn um so that's something like, i think we just have to start thinking differently start exactly Start thinking mm. differently. All the little things that go into that one mm. thing. That's right. Yeah. So I know it's a lawn show, but should we share? And we've got some an exciting news about, about where we're going to be next weekend. Yes. Yeah. Or is it next weekend? Or is it this Saturday? I well, I guess. Yeah, tenth? this coming. This coming the tenth. Isn't that <laughs> next Saturday? Next weekend? Oh, I guess no. it's Monday today. Not. I'm sorry. Yes. Okay. <laughs> The 10th, everybody, September 10th, those of you who are listening live as well as uh, listening on a podcast and that are local to the GTA, um, Matt and I are going to be at the, hopefully you're all familiar with the Toronto Flower Flower Market.
0: That's right. We are going to be there with our uh, Down the Garden Path podcast booth. With the theme of Ask a Designer. So much like our Ask Us Anything episode here on Reality Radio 101, we are going to be answering your lawn and landscape and any other plant questions that you might have uh, with a designer theme. And we are also going to have copies of our book, Down the Garden Path podcast, a step-by-step um, guide to your Ontario garden available for signing and purchase. Uh, and things like that. We are also going to be signing up for uh, our new, it's in the works, our new Down the Garden Path podcast newsletter. So keep an eye on for that. Um, We are going to set that up so you can get timely tips and some, you know, behind the scenes information, deals and discounts and things like that. A little bit more access to Joanne and I, Through our newsletter. So, there, if you're there, um, you know, come and uh, buy a book or sign up for the Mm -hmm. newsletter, be one of the first. And we're going to have a little uh, gift basket giveaway type thing there. So, Mm -hmm. we would love to see as many of you uh, and uh, put some names to faces or Mm -hmm. just pop and say hi. I know we've got a lot of regulars in the GTA that often write us in. So, that's
1: right. Yeah. So, if you've never been there, right, the Toronto Flower Market is. Uh, Lots of vendors from all over Ontario that come to um, sell their flowers. And uh, so it's a really uh, great opportunity uh, for you to buy some local flowers from some uh, flower farms and uh, also see us this week. So we're going to be there the next two weeks, two months. So uh, they uh, they are there on the second Saturday of the month. Um, So we're going to be there September 10th and then October 8th. That's right. And just for the address, it's uh, 1001. uh queen street
0: west toronto mm-hmm. in case you're wondering where it is or you're in the area and you can check check them out at uh toronto market dot ca we'll That's have great. all of that in our show notes as well
1: mm-hmm. and we're ha- excited to teach all of the regular people that go to to attend all about our podcast so uh gary we're going to be like preaching about uh reality radio <laughs> 101 and, and uh introducing you, uh, all the flower lovers out there, uh, about the podcast, so which is great. That's right. And that brings
0: us to the end of another episode here on uh, Reality Radio 101. Next week, stay tuned. I know a lot of you are anxious. We are having Bob Osborne return to us next week to talk all about cold climate apples, growing apples in cold climate so get your apple questions ready uh, for bob and you can write us here ahead of time down the garden path podcast at hawmail.com to uh, make sure you get your questions in uh but we'll be talking about all of our apples and uh, we hope to see you again at the toronto flower market this weekend at uh, 1001 queen uh street east i think i just said that right yeah queen street west sorry queen street west uh, stop by and say hi until then we'll see you all next week uh, thank you for joining us here on reality radio 101 you're listening to down the garden path we'll see you then bye bye. thank you for listening to down the garden path with your hosts Joanne Shaw and Matthew Dressing right here on Reality Radio 101.